What is up everyone, Max here, the Celeb Talk Guy, and last weekend we had by far one of the most explosive fights I have ever seen with any 90 Day Fiancé couple. First, it started off kind of funny, kind of entertaining, but as more information came out on this fight, it got just flat out disgusting and horrible to see. Now, if you don't already know, I'm talking about Paul and Corinne. They have been a notorious horrible couple. They're constantly fighting. Paul is odd. He is quirky. He is weird. And Corinne is just kind of a nagger. She's kind of negative. Some might say she is a bitch. Excuse my, you know, French, but she can sometimes be a little rude. So they're a horrible couple. They have, you know, their own issues, but this fight was pretty unbelievable and it went on and on and on. And so I wanted to just come here on this podcast, do a longer form content and just share what in the God's name happened last weekend with Paul and Corinne because so much stuff went down and then more and more and more details kept coming out. So I literally did like three or four separate videos on this one fight and it was kind of explicit and inappropriate in certain sections of it. And as many of you guys already know, on YouTube, I like to keep things a little bit more PG rated on YouTube. But on the podcast, I don't mind being a little bit more on the inappropriate side. So I also want to share some more explicit, inappropriate details that kind of went down with this fight too. So let's not waste any more time and just jump right into what happened with this fight and all the details that we know. So the fight started last weekend when Paul came across Corinne's phone and she had some text messages with a divorce lawyer. Now he claims he was completely left out of this conversation. He had no idea that she was communicating with a divorce lawyer or that she even wanted to get a divorce. Now I have absolutely no idea how that is possible because like I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast, they are a God awful couple and they fight 24 seven, but that is what Paul claimed. And one thing I want to really quick mention before I jump into the rest of the story is that the beginning of this story and the majority of this story is coming from Paul's narrative. We have only heard a just a brief snippet of stuff from Corinne. But like I was saying, Paul read those text messages. He had no idea in his words that Corinne had these kind of feelings that she wanted to get a divorce. So he confronted her and in his words, she flipped out. One thing leads to another and she calls the police. The police get there. Paul acts like he was completely thrown off guard. He had no idea why are the police here. He was just freaking out. And so he pulls out his phone and he actually records the entire conversation with the police. And during this conversation, Corinne's friend shows up and she pretty much just says that Corinne, she feels like she's constantly being controlled. Paul controls everything. He won't give her any of their money. You know, she can't do anything. She can't leave the house. She is just, you know, being controlled by this crazy guy and she wants out and she wants to go to a shelter with her and her kid. So basically she can just leave and not have to be with Paul anymore. But Paul was claiming that, you know, the truth is that Corinne was actually cheating on him and that she is now pregnant and that he is not the father of the baby. So let, let me just rephrase this. Paul is claiming that Corinne has cheated on him with a different man and that man got her pregnant. And he also went as far to say that not only did this man get her pregnant, that Corinne now wants to run off and just be with this man and I guess take Pierre too. 
This is all coming from Paul's perspective once again. So then they went quiet. That's all we knew. Up to this point, we heard, you know, we, we think that Corinne is now currently pregnant from a different man and that she is running off with this new man. That is all we know. We do know that the police, like I said, were called on Paul. That was pretty much it. We, we know, again, that, you know, we think that no one got arrested. Okay, that was it. Everyone went quiet on social media. Then, about a day or so, and it might have even been that same night, my timing is just kind of screwed up. I can't remember exactly, but I believe it was that night. Um, Paul went to social media again. This time, he was laying in a hospital bed, and he said that he had some issues with his man parts downstairs, so he went to the hospital, and he got tested for an STD, and come to find out, he has an STD. And then Paul says that he has only slept with Corinne, therefore meaning that she must have had sex with a different man, and then she is the one that gave him the STD. I don't know I have no idea why in God's name Paul is in the hospital, and the more I'm hearing of this story, the more, the less I even really believe that he, you know, I don't know what he was in the hospital for, maybe he has an STD, but I wouldn't be shocked if that was just complete BS. So he's in the hospital, he has the quote-unquote STD, and I guess while he's in the hospital by himself, Corinne files a restraining order on him. Yes, the story takes another dramatic turn into now Corinne files an actual restraining order on him. And, you know, this restraining order didn't get leaked by Soap Dirt or me or anyone else. Paul posted a screenshot of the restraining order. And I don't know why he did this, but this restraining order is gruesome, it's inappropriate, it's violent, and she basically just explains in explicit detail how Paul, I hate to say it, but how he sexually abused her and he raped her. And he just, you know, she went right down the line and explained every little detail about what he did to her and how horrible he was. And it's gruesome. It's horrible to read. It's pretty disgusting. So that's what I was saying at the beginning of this video. At first, it was kind of just funny. I mean, look, Paul has an STD. That is just hilarious. But then it ends up taking this rapid turn to now, you know, Corinne files this restraining order. You know, she's claiming that he raped her. And I'm not saying that he did or he didn't, but just reading that restraining order is pretty horrible, pretty disgusting. So, of course, Paul has to turn around and he goes and claims that that's complete BS. It's complete fabricated and he even went as far to say that in the restraining order Crenny she was using words that she would never use the restraining order it, it was written it was handwritten and so he was saying that hey you know I she, she she can't even she doesn't even write like that so I know that's not her handwriting that's not her wording and he thinks that someone else aka maybe this man that she is having an affair with is doing this and he's the one behind it. it's not even Corinne. And I guess that could possibly be a possibility, but as the story, you know, keeps unraveling, that's when I'm starting to think that Paul is just full of BS. Because then the next day, Paul claims that he got a knock on his door from the sheriff saying that they are looking for Corinne and Pierre. Because at this point, after Corinne filed the restraining order, Paul couldn't find her and he couldn't find his son, Pierre. So he was freaking out, I guess. And then he said that he got that knock on the door from the cops and they were looking for Corinne and his son, which that is when I started to kind of have some red flags. I thought that was weird that why would a cop solicit 
Paul randomly out of the blue if he didn't call the cops saying that they are even missing because cops don't just randomly start looking for people. That did not make any sense. He was posting on social media, acting like he was really concerned. He was really freaking out. He doesn't know where they are. He just wants to find them. And that is when I started to go, this doesn't really seem to add up. Then a few hours later, I want to say later that day, Corinne finally took to social media and she posted a story saying this. She said, I want you all to know that me and Pierre are doing well now. All this past few days, I had a lot going on. As the media showed, I had issues where the police were called because I feared for my life and my son's life, which led me to ask for help and ultimately be rescued from an environment that no longer was healthy for none of us involved in the situation. I'm getting the best help I could ever get, and I'm really thankful for all the people involved in it. I also thank all the people that worry about me for the support I have had. It has been a big part of my recovery. Relationships are hard, and sometimes it just can't be fixed anymore. I need this time to organize my thoughts, work on myself, and care for my son after everything we have been through in the last year and a half. Just to clarify, the EPO was me. I had help from a translator since I do not speak English. I also would like to state that I'm not missing. The police know where to find me if they need me. This is a legal matter, not a media matter. That being said, it's the first and last time I will speak about it. Thank you all again, Karini. Okay, so that pretty much tells everyone, you know, what's going on. Now, she posted a, like, it was text. It was written text, and she posted a screenshot on her social media. So, a majority of you guys, including me, just believe that it is her because it was on her social media. Some of you guys did put into question, well, couldn't Paul have just logged into her social media and posted that? Yeah, I guess he could have if he if he has her social media password. So I guess we don't know for 100% certainty that Corinne is okay. Some of you guys thought that maybe she's dead, maybe something, you know, got awful like that happened to her. I honestly don't think so. I do believe that Corinne is okay. I think she's still alive. I think she's probably in a shelter. I think she's gotten the hell away from Paul. And now it sounds like she is going to be going back to Brazil with their son, Pierre. Because this morning, Paul took to social media and posted a screenshot of a receipt from a flight, you know, going from, uh, I think somewhere in Kentucky to Brazil. So it sounds like that is for Corinne, probably even Pierre too. I highly doubt that Paul is going to be going with them. And honestly, you know what, guys? When I first saw Paul and Corinne, I really was rooting for them. I wish them nothing but the best. But now I'm kind of just sitting here thinking, you know what? I'm over it. I wanted them to work out because of their son, Pierre. And now it sounds like Corinne is pregnant, probably with Paul's kid. Even though Paul is claiming that is not his kid, it probably is. So, you know, I wanted them to work. They're a family. But now the more I hear this crap, the more I'm just like, you know what? Corinne, go back to Brazil. And Paul, stay in Kentucky. Corinne, bring Pierre with you. You raise the kid. You have family there. Your family seems a lot more normal than Paul's. Paul has his mom. She's okay. She does seem to be nice, kind of also quirky too. But Paul just seems to be a god-awful influence to that kid. And it's probably better if he just stays the hell away from him. 
So that is where we are left with this whole Paul and Corinne situation. It sounds like Corinne is now going to go back to Brazil. I can only assume by herself, and I can only hope to God with her son, Pierre. That is pretty much where we are at with this situation. And of course, as you guys know, the more this stuff comes out, the more I will let you guys know on YouTube and Instagram and everywhere else. Now, while we are on the topic of 90 Day Fiance, I want to go over what happened on last night's episode of 90 Day Fiance Happily Ever After. And once we are done with that, I know 90 Day Fiance is typically the main event. That is what almost everyone likes to watch. But after we are done with that, I will do a little quick recap on what happened on last Friday's episode of Love After Lockup. For those of you guys that do watch Love After Lockup on WeTV. But first, let's start with 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After. Last night on 90 Day Fiance, for me, it was last night. Today's Monday. Okay, last night was Sunday. It was Happily Ever After. And we got to see a handful of different couples. Mainly, we saw a lot of stuff going on with Debbie, Colt, and Jess. And I think... Colt and Jess's relationship has finally come to an end. And you guys, I can't wait to see this couple just, you know, be done. I am sick of them. I know that in present day, they are not together. I'm like 99% sure that Colt and Vanessa, the infamous Vanessa... Um, they are now dating. I am pretty confident. But in last night's episode, we got to see firsthand Debbie completely sabotage Colt and Jess's relationship. And not only did she sabotage it, she came out and just admitted to the 90 Day Fiance, you know, producers that yes, I am sabotaging it. And she said it with a smile. So we all know she does not like Jess. She does not like Colt and Jess together. I, you know, guys, I don't agree with her. I don't think that Colt and Jess are the best couple. I don't think they are the worst couple, though. Because that they didn't work out, and we, we everyone knows that in present day they're not together, I feel like everyone kind of looks at the bad, but no one is really talking about the good. I mean, they do kind of seem to have somewhat of good things together. Of course, they're not, they're not a perfect couple, but... I don't know if they would have made it if Debbie wasn't getting her hands in, in uh, the whole situation. Would they have made it? Eh, probably not. But now that Debbie has her hands in, in this whole you know relationship, of course, without a doubt, I knew from the start they didn't have a shot. So in last night's episode, long story short, for those of you guys who didn't see, Debbie made up a comment about Vanessa. She told Colt and Jess that she just got done FaceTiming Vanessa and that the cats are fantastic. Of course, you know, right then and there, Jess flipped out. She was going crazy. She was calling Vanessa a bitch and she was saying the F-U-C-K word. She was very, very, very mad because she had no idea that Vanessa was watching Colt and Debbie's cats. So, of course, Debbie nonchalantly was like, "What? what's wrong with Vanessa? What? Well, then we all know that Debbie knows that Jess hates Vanessa. So, Debbie is just trying to sabotage his relationships trying to act all you know innocent and naive but come on we all know what's going on here debbie and that was it jess flipped out she walked out of the hotel room colt tried to kind of stand up for vanessa he tried to stand up for himself and honestly okay debbie is at fault debbie made a big mistake she did something very wrong by trying to sabotage this relationship, but it's not all Debbie's fault. I mean, Colt also is in the wrong. He lied to Jess. He told Jess 
that I don't talk to Vanessa anymore, that I'll, I'll cut, you know, all communication off with her. And that was not the case. He still was hanging out with her, not sexually, but he was still hanging out with her as a friend. And, you know, for some reason, Debbie and Vanessa are very close friends. So he didn't cut her off and he lied to Jess. So Debbie and Colt, the son, are both in the wrong. They're both at fault. But after Jess walked out that door, she ended up getting Vanessa's contact number. She reached out to her. Vanessa did confirm, yes, we have been talking. And then, boom, Jess walks back into the hotel room with Colt, and she throws her shoes at him. And she screams and she swears. And that is the infamous clip that we have all seen in all these trailers for the new season of 90 Day Fiance, where Jess is throwing something at Colt. Okay, I thought it was a phone. I was wrong. It ended up being both of her shoes. And yes, she is throwing them right directly at Colt. Unfortunately, I think she does miss him, but it is still kind of funny. So Jess, Colt, they're done. That was pretty much the extent of their little segment on last night. And now that we're talking about Colt and Jess and Debbie, let's fast forward to Larissa and Eric. Yeah, remember they had that huge gigantic fight because Larissa was snooping on Eric's phone and Eric was texting a woman named Natalie, I guess, when they were broken up. They were not together. They were just broken up. It was the past. Eric was mad. Look, I don't like Eric. I don't like Larissa. I think they are a horrible couple together. I think they should, probably shouldn't be together, but she was upset. So she went and she confronted Eric about these text messages and all of these nasty comments that he was saying about her sexuality and how she is in bed and whatnot. And she was clearly embarrassed and upset. And Eric just said, hey, you know, what are, in the hell's name are you doing going through my phone? So it was a lot of bickering back and forth. Finally, Larissa picked up and she left and she took an Uber to her friend Carmen's house where she was talking to Carmen, she was crying, she was complaining, and then she, Carmen got a knock on the door, and we don't know who it is. The segment ended. I can only assume that it was Eric going to apologize to Larissa. I don't know for sure, though I wouldn't be shocked, because I'm like 99.9% .9 sure that Larissa and Eric are still together. So I think one way or another, they end up mending out their differences, hashing out their differences, and making their relationship work. I don't know who's at the door. Larissa's first comment is, do you think it's the police? She always goes right to the police. Do you think it's the police? Which, okay, no, the police is not going to waste their time and come and arrest you. For, for what? You didn't even do anything. You didn't touch the guy. You're barely even screaming at the guy. So, no, I don't think it's the police, maybe, but I really highly doubt it. We saw Angela and Michael, of course. Can't forget Angela and Michael. And... What happened with them was this. Angela, she was talking to her doctor. Remember, she had some bleeding downstairs and she was concerned because she's already gone through menopause. She didn't know what was going on. She went to the doctor and the doctor said, not only are you, you know, this isn't a period because you've already gone through menopause. Not only that, you also might have an issue. You might have something really seriously wrong with you, like cancer or something else, because you should not be bleeding down there. Okay, well, she talked to her doctor. Thank God it was just a fluke, so she is okay. She doesn't have any cancer. She has nothing wrong with her. The issue, though, is she probably should not be carrying a baby at this age. She's 54, 55 years old. She is way too old to be carrying a baby. And the doctor just said, hey, when you're at your age, you know, anything can happen. You can die. You know, really serious things can happen if you carry a baby. The surprising part is twofold. Number one, the doctor also mentioned, Angela, your other blood labs are extremely healthy. You know, like your blood pressure and this and that. And I was just shocked. I don't know what her blood sugar is because as a diabetic myself, I can tell you that type 2 diabetes is a pandemic. I'm a type 1. I'm not type 2. I'm type 1. But type 2, I know a lot about it. 
certain. Type 2 is an extreme pandemic, and it usually gets people with everything. Not 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 even pan. I don't know why I use the word pandemic. It's an epidemic. I don't know. Sorry, excuse the word pandemic. I'm all mixed up with the COVID talk, but it's an epidemic. It's killing millions of people. And if you look at Angela and you look at what she consumes, the McDonald's, the cigarettes, and all of the other junk food that she's eating on a regular basis, that all can kind of contribute to type 2 diabetes. So when the doctor said, hey, your blood labs are healthy, I was shocked. So number one, she said that her blood labs are healthy. That was surprising. Number two, after the doctor made the comments that, hey, Angela, you probably shouldn't be carrying a baby at 54, 55 years old, Michael was really upset, and he also said that he might, you know, still need to be with another woman that can actually have his kids. So I was surprised. Now, I understand it seems like in Michael's culture over in Nigeria, that does kind of seem to be common. We have heard this before in the past that it is okay for a man to marry multiple women. Clearly in the U.S., that is not the same case. Over here, that is considered polygamy, which as far as I'm concerned, polygamy is illegal. I think we have to ask Cody Brown from Sister Wives, but I'm pretty sure it is illegal in most states. So you can't do that here. I don't know what his goal would be just to knock up a Nigerian girl, maybe, that he knows, and then and then just marry Angela and, and come to America. I don't know how that would work, but of course, Angela was not on board. I don't blame her to not be on board. That's like the number one biggest sign of a scam, in my opinion. It's like, okay, he's going to have his, his family over here, and that doesn't include you, and then he's going to have you, which you're pretty much just like a sugar mama, just giving him money, and, and that's about it, and his, and his ticket to come to America. So I wouldn't be on board if I was Angela either. He needs to be unconditionally committed to you, and you should be unconditionally committed to him too. And I'm almost 100% sure that Angela and Michael do get married, so I don't think that he gets too caught up on that whole idea about needing to have a kid. I think he must just say, okay, whatever, I want to come to America this bad, so I'll marry you, Angela. I think that's what ends up happening because I'm pretty confident, almost 100%, that they do get married. Then we have to fast forward to Kalani and Asuelu, and ugh, come on. I mean, you guys, a horrible couple, horrible guy. I think he is just a loser. Asuelu and Kalani are now going to go visit Asuelu's mom and two of his half-sisters in Washington. They are getting ready to fly over there, and Asuelu wants to bring them gifts and or money. Asuelu's mom, who is kind of honestly a B-I-T-C-H from what I have seen of her on 90 Day Fiance, she point blank asked for cash. She didn't ask for love and support and anything like that. She said, Asuelu, I need you to give me money. And I think it's around the dollar amount of about $1,000, which, come on, Asuelu, the guy makes about $1,000 a month, according to Kalani. So how in the hell is this guy going to give his entire month's salary while he has two kids to his mom, who doesn't appear to have a job? Now, that is sweet. That is nice. I think it's nice to support your family, but you're really going to give your entire month's salary to your mom, who I have never even barely even seen on this show, and I rarely even hear the guy talk about her, so clearly they aren't that close, but anyway, so they're going to go visit the mom and the two sisters, he wants to bring the money, he wants to bring these gifts, they go to a Samoan store in Utah, they're buying up a bunch of gifts, and they go to the cash register, and the, and the total's like over 200 I think it's $199, so it's almost $200, which is 20% of Asuelu's monthly income, so a lot of money. And Kalani's looking at the guy saying, that is a ton, but if you want to get them that, 
we can do that instead of getting them the cash. You know, we don't have to give them money because we can't afford to give them all this money. And of course, Asuelu still wants to do both. So they end up agreeing on buying them the $200 worth of the goodies, the t-shirts, the knickknacks, stuff that people from Samoa would probably never even ever want, but they still bought the crap. And then they also agreed to give them $100. I know they started at $1,000, now they're down to $100, which is a lot more plausible, but still, they've given them now $300 because they've given them $200 worth of knickknack, you know, gift shop crap, and they've also given them now $100 worth of just straight cash. So my point is it is very annoying because when they got to the cash register, Asuelu was empty-handed. He had no cash on him. He didn't have any money, so of course Kalani had to pay. I don't know if that was just for the show or if that was actually real, but if it was real, you guys, I mean, come on, dude, you're a man, you are an adult, why don't you have any cash on you, and who the hell goes to a store without any cash, and really, who the hell goes to a store going to buy stuff for your parent without any cash, that is rude, that is selfish, and right after I saw that, I just said, I'm done, I'm done watching this guy, I just put it on mute, and I I didn't watch the end of his segment, because I gave me a headache, I couldn't stand to see it, I did see that Asuelu and Kalani, they got on the plane, they flew over to Washington, they were bickering, they were fighting, Asuelu wanted to go see his mom that night, but his two kids were exhausted, I'm just sick of him, He's, he's, he's spoiled, he's selfish, and I am sick of seeing him. Then we saw Tanya and Sinjin, and Elizabeth and Andre, and I believe Don't quote me, but I believe those were the last two couples. I'm kind of having a little bit of a brain fart, so I apologize. But let's first start with Tanya and Sinjin. They made their way over to South Africa. God bless these two. Really just God bless a freaking Sinjin. Tanya, not the biggest fan. I think she is trying to control him. She is trying to mold him into some person that she wants him to be. And that is just not Sinjin. They made it there. We finally got to meet Sinjin's mom. She seems to be a hilariously chill, relaxed lady, just like Sinjin. And we also got to meet Sinjin's sister. She seemed to be pretty much the same. Relaxed, chill, good time, you know, fun. And they were a little bit kind of concerned about Tanya because they got married in 90 days. They had a hell of a lot of fighting going on in that 90 days. And they also made an interesting comment that Sinjin before was never really in a lot of serious relationships. I thought that was kind of interesting because remember, Sinjin is the guy that was just, he fell head over heels for Tanya and he was really in love with her. So I don't know if that was like his first love. Maybe he's just kind of naive and wants this to work because it was his first love or what, but they were pretty concerned. And that was pretty much it. We we have to we got to see some previews, but we're going to have to wait and see how that actually plays out when they are in South Africa. And then Elizabeth and Andre throw up, disgusting, gross. Andre and Elizabeth's brother were fighting, going crazy. They were actually about getting ready to go into a, a, a full-out just fist fight at one point at the end of the episode, which I think bullshit, BS. I don't buy it. I think it's fake for the show. I think they are just trying to stir up some drama. I don't know if 90 Day Fiance in particular is making them, you know, stir up this drama? I don't think so. I think what's going on is Elizabeth and Andre don't make any money. You know, Elizabeth supposedly works as, I think I read a property manager for her dad, who now her dad supposedly owns some 
weird, just not a good real estate company. I don't want to use the word scam or fraud because I don't know that for sure, but I guess there's a lot of negative complaints and stuff like that about their real estate company. So that is kind of hilarious. But supposedly she works for her dad in the real estate business. Andre, we all know, does not have a job. So I think this is probably like a large part of their income. They got to be getting paid something from 90 Day Fiance. And then, of course, you get all the notoriety and you can do advertisements. So this is clearly a lot of their job. This is their time to make their fame last and they need the drama. So they're going back and forth, Andre and Elizabeth's brother. It's not very interesting. Andre keeps dodging questions on his past. Elizabeth's brother keeps asking him over and over and over again about your past in Ireland. And then he's asking Andre's friends and Andre's getting uncomfortable. And I'm sitting here thinking this is BS. I don't give a crap. I think they are bizarre on the show. And I think they are a horrible couple on the show. But if you watch them on social media, they're fantastically happy. So that only makes me believe even more they are fake. And that was pretty much it from last night's episode. If I am missing one of the couples, I apologize, but clearly they must not be very interesting. So that is the 90 Day Fiancé stuff I wanted to cover on the podcast, mainly with Paul and Corinne. I know so much stuff happened. If I did forget anything with Paul and Corinne, please, I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but that was a very long, drawn-out story that I tried to cover as fast as possible. And then, of course, we have the 90 Day Fiancé episode. And now I want to talk about one of my guilty pleasures, that is Love After Lockup on WeTV every Friday night, baby. It is a hilariously cringy, guilty pleasure show. That's what it is. If you want to talk about a guilty pleasure show that is trashy and cringy and just hilarious, it's Love After Freaking Lockup. It's a new season, and on last you know week, last Friday's episode, we got to see some pretty interesting stuff. I want to first start talking about Maurice and Jessica. Jessica, she's the blonde. She's living in Vegas. She is, I think, like 32, I want to say. She's in her 30s, early 30s. She is attractive. She's a good-looking girl, and she is married to a man named Maurice, who I thought was in his 30s as well. I did not piece this together, but you guys, Maurice is like almost my age. He's like 25, I think. And like I said, she is in her 30s. So number one, we have a gigantic age gap. I didn't realize that until Maurice finally got out of prison. And in the last episode, Maurice is out. He is free. They go to some kind of like a hotel Airbnb. They're getting ready to go uh, to LA because I think that is where Maurice has to serve somewhat of like a parole or like a halfway house kind of thing. I don't know the exact terminology, but he has to go to LA because he's from there. So they're getting ready to fly over there. And before they go, they're staying at some Airbnb hotel type place. Of course, they take care of their business in the bedroom. And as I'm watching them, because we've never seen them together yet, but now that I'm finally seeing Maurice and Jessica together in an actual, you know, no prison bar type style place in a real house and whatnot. I am not liking this. Now, I have released some spoilers on Jessica and Marie. So, of course, if you don't want to know the spoiler, don't keep listening, I guess. But there was a spoiler. So, please, three, two, one. I'm going to say it right now that Maurice and Jessica got married again and Jessica got pregnant and she already had the baby. So, you know, it's not surprising because they were already married in prison and the second they got out of prison, they had sex like four or five times. And the only thing that Jessica has been able to talk about about Maurice, honestly, has been like his sex 
life and performance and everything. So they seem to be a very sexual couple. But hey, you know, that could keep them together. I feel like, you know, the couples that really last are the ones that have more than just sex in common. But they have that in common, so maybe that'll keep them going strong. I don't know. Look at Lacey and Shane. They have sex like five, six times a day, and they still appear to be going strong. But they definitely seem really sexual. I don't think they have much in common. I think she just wanted a man. I think Maurice just wanted to get laid. He even admitted it. He wanted to get married for the one reason, so he could sleep with someone. Because in prison, at the prison he's at, if you are married, then you can have sex. And you, not, you can have an overnight stay in this apartment-type place with your wife. And of course, what do you think happens? So that was his big reasoning for even wanting to marry Jessica. And they got married, and I guess they're doing well. But that's what happened. I am really curious to see how their relationship plays out. You know, Maurice seems to be, honestly, a hilariously funny guy. He was flying for the first time, and he was terrified. And he was freaking out, and he was being funny. And he reminds me of one of my friends. He was just, he's a jokester. He's, he's got a good personality. He's a good, you know, funny guy. So I could see that being the glue that kind of holds them together. Jessica definitely is extremely attracted to the guy, and she, I think, is very actually attracted to him physically, but I think she's also really attracted to him uh, with his personality, because the guy, he's got a hilarious personality. He reminds me of someone from a different reality show on Married at First Sight, but he's got a good personality. He's funny, so I think that'll maybe kind of hold them together. And we also got to see, oh God, you guys, we got to see Sean and Destiny. That was the couple. Sean is the car mechanic, and he's also in Vegas, ironically enough. Good old Vegas has Jessica and Sean from Love After Lockup. But Sean and Destiny, we all kind of thought that Destiny, even kind of Sean thought, that Destiny might be possibly be a catfish. Well, 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 we got to see that she is not a catfish. However, she does look very, 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 very different than the picture she was sending Sean, in the picture, she looked kind of like a, I don't want to use the word sexy, but she was looking like just a hot, young, you know, attractive, 20, late 20s, you know, woman, and she was looking good, and in person, it's not that she wasn't looking good, but she was, you know, a little bit behind, I guess you could say, on, on keeping herself up with the hair and the makeup, and of course, you gotta remember, she just got out of prison, but you could definitely tell, and Sean even admitted it, that he was a little bit disappointed in her looks compared to her picture. So that, of course, is hilarious. They met. Sean made her some freaking tacos. She was sure happy. I think they are a fake couple. I think they aren't real. And I don't think it's going to last much longer. I think Destiny is 100% using this poor, nice, big-hearted guy for the freaking money and for some attention and just for a companion for the time being. But once, I think once she finds another man, she will be gone. And we actually got to meet a new couple. I want to say his name is Tyrese and Shonda. Tyrese is significantly older. I can't remember the exact uh, age gap, but he's significantly older. Anywhere from like 25 to 30 years older than Shonda. And dude, Tyrese, um, I'm not feeling it with this girl, man. I, I want to sit this guy down and just say, man, this poor guy seems like a nice guy. He was He was scrolling through his phone one day, he said, and he saw an ad for meet women in prison. He was scrolling through the website, the app. He saw Shonda's butt. And I'm not, I'm not even gonna, I'm not trying to be graphic or inappropriate. That's just what he said. He saw her butt. He was into it. And then they ended up chatting. And one thing leads to another. Now they're quote unquote dating. Keep in mind, it's only been about three months. So I don't see these, these people going very far. He's, he's told his kids 
who are like around Shonda's age that he is dating someone, but he hasn't really gotten into the extent of her age. And I don't even know if they know that she is in prison, but this Tyrese guy, he's hilarious. He is successful. He is a good looking, and you know what he is? A charming guy. He's a little bit cocky. I'm not going to lie to you guys. He is pretty freaking cocky, but he is a good looking guy. He got a real nice car. I think he had an Escalade, which is my favorite car. So he's cool. He's sharp. He has swag. You don't hear that word very often, but he reminds me of this guy that I grew up with. He was like my second father figure, and we called him Coach. He was my basketball coach, and he is an exact, he looks like Tyrese, and he sounds like Tyrese, and his personality is like Tyrese, where he is very cocky. I love Coach to death, but Coach, like Tyrese, was pretty much obsessed with himself, and, you know, cocky, he had that swagger. Tyrese is all confident, and he's got this swag, and honestly, Tyrese, dude, you could get a guy, you could get a girl, excuse me, you could get any girl that you want within reason that's not in prison. You're not an ugly guy, and you appear to have money, what in God's name are you doing dating a, a woman in prison? I mean, in, in the funny thing is he's going around buying her crap. He bought her like $600 worth of clothes because Shonda is getting ready to be released. And I'm just like, dude, you could buy a woman that is 25 to 30 years younger than you this kind of clothes that has the same size butt, if we're going to be blatantly honest, same size butt as Shonda. And she doesn't have to be in prison. I mean, you're not butt ugly. You're not like... I don't know, I hate to hate to, you know, bash the guy, but you're not like uh, Scott who's who's with uh what's her name? I can't even think of her name, but Scott and the other girl, Sydney, I don't even know, I can't even think right now. But Scott is not the best looking guy. Tyrese is a good enough looking guy, he's got confidence, he's got swag. What is he doing with this girl in prison? And because they've only been talking for three months or quote unquote dating for three months, I don't think it's going to work. I think he is eventually going to realize that, hey, wow, I am getting scammed. And I saw in a preview for an upcoming episode that he finally breaks it to his kids. He has three kids and they just say, hey, dad, what if you are getting scammed? And of course he says, well, if I'm getting scammed, I, I'm going to know. But yeah, dude, I think you already kind of are getting scammed because you just spent $600 on a girl who was in prison that could very easily leave you and run away the second she gets out. And that was pretty much it on interesting couples that we got to see. We also got to see John and Christiana. Uh, Christiana got out of prison. John immediately got down on one knee and proposed. And then his plan is to drive over to his truck a couple miles away and actually marry her and get legally married. Now, I have never in my entire life ever seen someone get engaged and then seconds later get legally binding, you know, married. Besides, of course, I'm married at first sight. So that's kind of interesting, kind of bizarre. It's like John's fourth or fifth marriage. I don't think he even knows which marriage it is because we asked him at one point, not we, but the producers asked him how many times he'd been married and he was like either three or four, maybe even five times. So he has no idea. I like John. I think he's hilarious. Christiana, she kind of gives me scammer vibes. I'm not going to lie. I can't say for sure. I'm not going to say she's a scammer because I don't know. Can't say she's a fraudster, but she definitely kind of gives me somewhat of user vibes for being so down and, and into all this craziness, like, you know, getting engaged because she's just been talking to the guy for a couple months. So it seems kind of soon. I'm not really buying what she's saying. I think John is kind of innocent, kind of naive, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, guys, that is about it. We, like I said earlier, we got to talk about Paul and Karenny craziness. It makes my heart melt. It makes me want to throw up. Honestly, I have 
lived through enough of stuff with parents and divorce and trauma and not even close to the extent of what's going on with them, but I, I get it. Parents fighting, it's horrible, it sucks, and I feel really bad for their kid, Pierre. And and I know Cranny's pregnant right now with another baby. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. I think it might be a girl, but I feel bad for that kid too. Not even born yet, and the kid's already going through so much trauma. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really sad situation. I hope they can make the best out of it. I think, I think, I think, honestly, the best at this point is to take Paul out of uh, the baby's life—not permanently, but just you know, for the majority of the time. Go back to Brazil, Kareni, live your life, raise your kid with your family, and I think they they can do pretty well. Maybe Paul can occasionally randomly visit. And for the rest of you know, 90 Day Fiance, it was a good episode. We have another episode on tonight of 90 Day Fiance. Uh, the other way, which should be pretty interesting, it's, it's unfortunate that's only an hour long. I would love to see it be two hours, but we have freaking B90 Strikes Back, which, ugh. I still hate that show. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you are still here at this point, you are a die-hard celeb talk and reality TV uh, fan. I appreciate you sticking around. I know we are probably 30, 40 minutes into this podcast, and I love sitting here and chatting. I would freaking love to have guests on at some point. And I know there's so many super fans. You guys, everyone that messages with me on Instagram, oh, my God, you guys are freaking amazing. Super fans of reality TV. And you guys are awesome, so I would love to figure out how, on God's name, to get guests on the podcast. I don't have any idea how. If you can't tell, I'm not very tech-savvy, but I'm going to try to figure it out. And maybe eventually I can have some of you guys come on for a couple minutes. We can chat. We can have a good time. I think that would be so much fun. Anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and stay tuned for many more podcast episodes. And of course, before I sign off, I do want to mention... Please, if you have not already left a positive five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, Network, if you are listening on the uh, on the Apple Podcast Network, I would mean the world to me. If you enjoy the podcast, just scroll down just a hair or two and leave a positive review if and only if you are enjoying it. Well, once again, thank you guys all so much for listening to this podcast and stay tuned for many more.